Thank you, Ryan and Jamie, for sharing with us thoughts about this Advent season. We continue in our Advent series together as we are looking at the promise of Christmas. And the the promise of Christmas is that we receive some things, but the promise of Christmas also is that we take those same things and we share them with others. He gives to us hope, light from darkness. He gives to us joy because he lifts our lowly spirits. He gives to us peace in the midst of chaos. And so all of these things are things that we can extend to others. We ought to be agents of joy, agents of peace. We ought to amplify hope everywhere we go. People ought to be more hopeful because they know you. Well, I'm so glad that you're here today. I invite your attention to the Word of God in Matthew chapter 1. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. And today we're going to talk about how God gave. And as we think about God giving, it really encapsulates almost all of these promises of Christmas because He is the gift that keeps on giving. The gift of Christ gives us hope. The gift of Christ gives us peace and joy and love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And it's on and on virtually endless as we consider the gift of Jesus. And church family, today my heart's desire is that we would ponder fresh and new the story of Christmas. Matthew chapter 1, we begin with these words. We'll put on the screen. Verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him, say the name with me, Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Pray with me. Father, would you bless us with understanding and application of the Word of God today to our hearts. God, we confess today our gratitude. We are grateful for the gift of Jesus. Lord, if we pause for any moment of reflection, we are overwhelmed at the gift of a Savior, a gift that keeps on giving. Father, we understand that because of Christ, we experience forgiveness and genuine love. Only because of Jesus, we receive liberation from our slavery. And Father, we recognize that because of Christ, we have hope in the midst of darkness and chaos. We have peace in the midst of pandemic and peace in the middle of pain. Lord, teach us today how to respond to this incredible gift. This morning, I pray that you would give me freedom and clarity and that you would hide me behind the cross and that your cross would be lifted high and today that your son would be accepted. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna take just a moment and welcome those that are joining us online from across uh, the the nation. We've had, as I've said over and over again this year, been an overwhelming response at almost 17 different states that people have tuned in and worshiped with us. And so if you're at home today, we welcome you. Well, let me share with you a story of a man named Joshua Bell. Joshua Bell is not a household name for most. It's, it's a far stretch to say that he would be a household name. But in some circles, Joshua Bell is well known. Joshua Bell in 2007 embarked on a, a little social experiment, if you will. He was in Washington, D.C., and he went to one of the metro stations there, down into the entrance of the subway, and he began to play his violin. He was there by one of the recycling bins. He's literally by the garbage can at the entrance to the subway in Washington, D.C. on a chilly January morning. Now, it's interesting that thousands of people passed by him, but very few even paid much attention. He opened up his violin case, and a few folks well-wishing dropped off a little money here and there, but there at the subway entrance, you need to know this, that Joshua Bell opened up not just any ordinary violin case, he opened up the case that housed his $3.5 million Stradivarius. 
You see, two nights before he entered the subway station, he was in Boston with the Boston Philharmonic and he filled up Symphony Hall. In fact, he had sold out Symphony Hall multiple times in the past year. 2,600 seats at Symphony Hall. The average ticket price was $120. So you begin to do the math. He raised almost $300,000 a night by being this masterful player. This instrument now is worth almost $14 million. It was built in 1713. It's a 300-year-old Stradivarius. And he began there in the subway to play concertos. And he began to play beautiful, beautiful music in an amazing way as he's playing Mendelssohn and Bach and Beethoven and others. And the people that are passing by to get about their normal business, to go to work or to, to wherever they might be traveling, simply passed by but here is this concerto world-class instrumentalist again thousands of people passed by him but it's pretty amazing to think that only six stopped for any length of time to listen it's kind of interesting to me that Joshua Bell collected in his violin case a whopping grand total of $32.17 This man who could command for one night at Boston Symphony Hall or at Carnegie Hall or at any other hall in that upper echelon of class and society playing his instrument, literally millions upon millions of dollars and $32.17 was dropped into his violin case. Unappreciated for sure. Unexpected and unanticipated. It's fascinating to me. People had no idea who he was. I would have to say to you that those words probably could be said about Jesus Christ in his 33 years of incarnation. Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, walked in human flesh on this earth and people saw that as unexpected, unanticipated, and certainly unappreciated. Many went about their lives as if nothing had ever happened and they lost sight of the enormity of the fact that Jesus was among them. Some stopped and listened to him teach and preach and some even followed him, some just for a time, but often they walked away unscathed. Now, I would think as we use those words unexpected and unappreciated and unanticipated, all of us have probably used those three words about 2020. A year ago, this time, we heard a little talk of this virus that is somewhere else, and we heard some things, but as we think about this year, unexpected and unprecedented certainly would fit the bill. Never in our wildest dreams could we have imagined that we would experience all that we've experienced this year. Would you agree with that? Riots and racial division, politics and pandemic, 30 named storms. I mean, it had the forecasters scratching their heads and reaching deep into the Greek alphabet just to name storms in September. Aren't you glad all that's over with? Aren't you glad that hopefully the odometer flips from 20 to 21 and maybe some things will change? But can I say this to you? And I mean this with all sincerity. I've said it before that times in my study I weep This week has been a weepy week because none of the events of 2020, not any of them singularly or all of them combined, can they they pale in comparison to the event that happened 2,000 years ago in the tiny little tucked away town of Bethlehem when God became flesh. As I think about God coming to this earth, Emmanuel, it's amazing. Theologians and Bible scholars call it the incarnation. You can write that word down. We'll put it on the screen. You've heard it, but the incarnation, God wrapped in flesh. Glory concealed in skin. It's sort of like the tabernacle of the Old Testament. It was covered in plain skin, but inside was the very glory of God. What a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. God in flesh and our text starts this way it says this is how Jesus the Messiah was born you ought to underline that this is how Jesus was born that sparks everything moving forward most people had no clue they continued on with their lives maybe some stopped to hear him maybe some did follow him but church family listen to me we cannot be that way 
You and I today on this December morning in 2020 cannot rush past the manger. My plea to you this morning is that we would stop and ponder fresh and anew the glorious event of the incarnation. That we would today recognize the power of God with us. Emmanuel, that we would recognize this incarnation because here's what we're talking about. When we say that God is with us, God became flesh. Everybody say those three words with me. God became flesh. Let me give it to you a different way, and we'll say these together. God became man. Say that with me. God became man. Church family, look this way. I want to see every eyeball is what I would say if I was preaching at a youth retreat. I want to make sure everybody's with me. I could spend the rest of my life I could spend the rest of my ministry. I could spend the rest of my study and the rest of my preaching on those three words. God became man. And we'll look at this in different ways, but I could take that apart and spend all of the rest of my days and spill out all of the ink that I could possibly muster to write down all the thoughts that I could think or that he would give to say that God became man have you ever stopped in in your heart and in your mind to really ponder those things that God himself that created all things became a man that he came into our world God is with us God became one of us listen to this Jesus did not come to this earth like a human he came to this earth as a human being very very powerful his humanity ought to overwhelm us his humanity ought to give us awe and wonder it should drive us to tears it should leave us with this thought God loved me this way how did he love me he came for me How did he love you? He came for you. How does he love us? He came for us. In 1926, George Harley was a medical missionary. He went to the Mango people in Liberia, Africa. There are the Mono people. And in the Mono uh, village, they were gracious and kind, and they helped him build a crude hut that was a chapel and a crude hut that was a clinic. And over time, tens of thousands of people would come through his clinic and his chapel year after year after year. But tragically, Dr. Harley didn't have that reception in the beginning. His very first year, the people were skeptical. No one came to his chapel and no one came to his clinic for an entire year. In that first year, they were trying to learn the language. They were trying to experience the culture. And his wife gave birth to their first son, Robert. They called him Bobby. Little Bobby ran all through those jungles. He was born on the edge of this jungle and and learned to be kind of like the other people. But one day, Dr. Harley was studying and he was looking out his window and little Bobby was running across the field and he fell down. And he got up and he ran a little farther and he fell down again. And they began to notice that he was having deep-seated issues with equilibrium and with strength. And they found that he had jungle fever. And they brought him in close and did everything they possibly knew to do to treat it. But nothing seemed to arrest the digression of his symptoms. And this little five-year-old boy ultimately lost his life. Here's a missionary and his wife who have given everything that they have to go to reach a group of people who could care less that they are there. They don't care. They've not come. Can't you see we're trying to help you? We don't want it. We don't need it. We don't like it. And they pushed him away. And he went to his shop and he fashioned out of wood a small coffin. And he carried his own lifeless son and put him in the coffin. And one of the elder statesmen of the tribe saw him and said, what are you doing? And he explained to him that his son had died. And he said, may I assist? It was one word in his language. And he said, yes. And so he grabbed one end of the coffin and this elder statesman grabbed the other and they walked into the edge of the jungle not far outside the the scope of that village and they dug a small shallow grave and they buried young Bobby Harley there and Dr. Harley said his chest was absolutely about to explode. If you can imagine the loss of a child at that age, if you can imagine the pain and the isolation and the loneliness, none of his people are around, none of his family are around. 
They're thousands of miles away back in the States. And Dr. Harley finally, as they threw the last piece of dirt upon that grave and, and patted it into place with respect, fell face forward into the dirt and clung to it with dirt in his fingernails and in his face and tears streaming down his face. And as he cried, the old man began to shout as he ran away. And Dr. Harley didn't know if he had fear, if, if he'd created fear. He didn't know if he had scared the man. And he ran back into the village shouting, and it was words that he'd never heard before. And the translation finally got back to him, and the man was saying, White man, white man, he cried like us. And that night, the entire village showed up in their home with food and gifts and consolation and love and over the course of the coming year thousands of those tribal peoples in that nation came to faith in Jesus Christ back in 1926 and there are churches that are still going on today because of the work of Dr. Harley but the picture was he is like us you see, if God was lofty and off in heaven in a galaxy far, far away, many of you would just thumb your nose and say, I don't know that I need that. I don't know that I care for that. I'm not interested in that. Oh, but God bent near to the earth. He became one of us. Emmanuel, God with us. Let me, let me put these words back on the screen. God became man. Let me show it to you another way. I, I just, this is how I studied this week. I, I spent Monday, Tuesday... God. I, I spent Wednesday, Thursday, became. I mean, just thinking about that. How in the world would, would a virgin conceive of the Holy Spirit in the midst of a place where that would be a death sentence to this young teenage girl who is betrothed to be married? She's in the midst of a covenant marriage, and Joseph could have had her stoned. Death or divorce are the only ways out. For Gabriel to come and say, I've got good news, you'd say, oh, that's terrible news. I'm going to die. But he started by saying, God is with you. God has found, you have found favor with God. God became. And then, man, I, I hope that I never get over this. I hope that tomorrow and Tuesday I spend time thinking about God. And I hope that Wednesday and Thursday I think about how God became. And I hope that Friday and Saturday I just start all over and say, he became a man. He became like us. He cries like us. He bleeds like us. He lives like us. He cares about us. This is the difference, folks, in Christianity and every other world religion, every other religious system, every other philosophical construct of the world. The incarnation changes everything God gave. Tim Keller wrote a book called The Hidden Christmas. And in that book, beautiful quote. Let me put it on the screen. It's rather lengthy, but you need to hear this. He said, over the years, I've had fruitful dialogues with many members and leaders of other religions. I've asked them how in their faith, individuals' relationship with God actually works. In general, these are their answers that I've received. Eastern religions do not grant the possibility of personal communion. God is, in the end, an impersonal force, and you can merge with that force, but not have personal communication as such. Keller went on to say this, for other faiths, God is personal, but too removed to be said to have intimate, loving communication with believers. And I love this. Keller said, I've become convinced that what makes the difference for Christianity is the incarnation. No other faith says God became Flesh, Christmas and the incarnation mean that God went to infinite lengths to make himself one who we can know personally. That'd be a great place for somebody to shout. Now, you may enjoy your Christmas. You may be looking forward to the presents you're gonna unwrap. You may be looking forward to the food that you're gonna eat, but that's the richness of Christmas right there. I, I, you may not be with me, and maybe you'll get on this side and get happy in a little while, but I'm fired up when I think that God became man. Our pastor's losing his mind, Ethel. What are we gonna do? I mean, he's just going crazy. I, I want you to know that, yes, I'll preach with passion today. Why? Because God became what? A man. He dwelt among us. We have beheld his glory as the, the only begotten of the Father. God was pleased that all of his fullness would dwell in Christ. God became a man. He became flesh. Why did he do this? I want to give you three very simple thoughts today. Two on why he did it and one is our response. Number one, he came to identify he came to identify. Write that word down. God came to identify. You see, God gets you. 
You may feel like nobody else in the world understands you, but God gets you. In the silent moments of your life, when you're staring in the mirror in the bathroom, or in the darkest moment when nobody else is up before the morning hours, and you just weep, or you wonder if you're depressed or discouraged or just plain scared, God gets you. He understands right where you are. He knows where you are. He understands your hurts and your fears. He is not out of touch with reality, even the realities of 2020. He knew that this was coming. He knows what we need. And since you know he understands you, you can come to him boldly. Church, be honest. Have you ever asked questions like these? Does God care if I'm sad? Does God notice when I'm afraid? Let me just fill that in for you because we have a picture of it in the incarnation. Does God care if I'm sad? You know where you'll get the answer to that? Look at the tear-stained cheeks of Jesus as he stands outside Lazarus' tomb. He cares because the Bible says there, Jesus wept. Does God care if I'm afraid? Look at the resolve in his eyes as he marches through the storm to his disciples. And you know the answer to that. Yes, he cares when you are afraid. Think about this. Does God know when I'm ignored or when I'm rejected? Does God know when I'm pushed down by the world and judged? Why don't you stand with Jesus as he stoops down and writes in the dust as a woman who's been caught in adultery is thrown before him and he lovingly and longingly looks to defend her before her accusers. Does God care about you? Yes. How do I know that? Because God became, help me out, man. Oh, that you would never forget this sermon. Those three words, you can forget my name. I pray that I preach Christ, lift him up, magnify him, die and go to heaven, and you forget. But never forget that God became a man. That is the Christmas story, that Jesus Christ left heaven and came to earth so that men and women and boys and girls could leave earth and go to heaven, that we could be reconciled with a holy God. He came to identify with us. If he did not become a man, what would happen of us? If Jesus Christ had never been anything more than the product of human procreation, if the word never became flesh and dwelled among us, what would that look like? Without Bethlehem, we would be without hope. Without Bethlehem, we would be stuck in our sin. He could be a wonderful counselor, but he wouldn't be one worthy of worship. He he could be a good moral guide, but if he had never become flesh, then he is not a savior for us. But if God really came down, folks, that changes everything. And the promises of Christmas are hope and joy and love and peace, as I've been saying. And all of those gifts just keep on giving because God became a man. I put in your notes just the thought, the the 12 days of Christmas. We sing that little song and the idea, my true love gave to me. And it starts that way every single day, my true love gave to me. That's Christmas. God. Yahweh, the God of the universe, the great I am, he gave to you as your true love a gift that would never expire. It fits perfectly. You don't need to exchange it or return it. You won't be bored with it. You won't be disappointed by it. He gave Christ. And he came to us in the midst of difficulty. I mean, it's not like you would say, hey, I think we want to travel nine days on a donkey with a nine-month pregnant wife. That just sounds like a great idea. And the idea that peace would be brought by a crying baby. I mean, that doesn't make sense to us, does it? Any of you ever heard a baby cry? Did you anticipate it with joyful glee? (laughs) You cursed the darkness and prayed for it to go away. But the peace of that child. Mary knew that the words of the angel were a death sentence under the law. But the reality is that God became a man and that's grace. He gave us what we don't deserve. I I love this. Max Lucado said this, God took on your face in order that you might see his. God took on a face. Let me say it this way. Let me back up to that other one, if you will, Brittany. I I love this picture. If we, we back up one. God has faced what you faced, so he understands how you feel. 
He understands what you're going through. He understands your pains and your fears. He understands your anxieties over the pandemic or over your health or over the finances of your family or the the direction of our country. He understands it because he became one of us. And he took on your face so that you might see his. Look with me, if you will, at verse 21. I want you to see this. He didn't just come to identify. Verse 21 says, And she will have a son, and you are to name him, say the name with me, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. Don't rush past. He will save his people from their sins Jesus didn't come to just make salvation possible Jesus saves and he came to save us from this condition of separation that is due to our sin and this is what I would say he came not only to identify he came to rectify he came to write all that is wrong let's put that on the screen I want you to write down that word he came to identify but he came to rectify he came to deal with sin He came to deal with sin. And to to fully appreciate Bethlehem, we've got to look to Jerusalem. To fully appreciate the, the cradle, we've got to look to the cross. The babe in the manger became the sufficient and substitutionary sacrifice on the cross. And without Calvary, Christmas is just a nice story. I'll say it this way. Christmas inaugurates what Easter celebrates. Christmas inaugurates what Easter celebrates. He was born to die. He knew from the foundation of the world, the lamb that was slain, that his life mission was to seek and to save the lost. And there's the gift that keeps on giving. It's not just a warm, fuzzy story of shepherds and wise men and gifts and a manger. No, he came to wear a crown of thorns and ultimately the crown of the king of kings and lord of lords and he will come again and as we look at this story and see that he became a man we are marred by sin sin has absolutely wreaked havoc it's it's touched every part of our lives the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart I mean, our issue today is not that the government's not fast enough or responsive enough. The the problem today is not in the climate around us. The problem in our world is not economic. It's not education. The problem is spiritual. Our hearts are desperately wicked, and yet he comes to redeem and to renew and to restore. Only he could. Go back to my statement. God became flesh. Who could save us from our sin? Only God. That's why I said, name him Jesus. This is the same name as Joshua, Yeshua. It's just a a sort of anglicized. We've kind of taken it in from the Greek. But Yeshua, our Savior, the Messiah, the appointed one, the anointed one, he became a man. God is God. His kingdom is perfect, but his children are not. So what would he do? What would he do? He had a greater plan. He could have ignored us. He could have wiped us out. He could have left us alone. But his greater plan was Colossians 1.19. Jot that down somewhere. Just jot it down. We don't have it on the screen. We won't have it anywhere else. But Colossians 1.19 says this. God was pleased for all of himself to dwell in Christ. All of the love of God was in Jesus. All of the strength of God was in Jesus. All of the compassion and power and devotion of God were for a time in the body of a Galilean carpenter. That ought to rock your world. I'll borrow language again from Max Lucado. He said this, no wonder that the winds obeyed when Jesus spoke. You know why? Because God was speaking. No wonder that the bacteria fled when Jesus touched wounds. You know why? Because God was touching No wonder that water held him up as he walked. Why? Because God was walking on that water. No wonder the people stood speechless as he taught. Why? Because God was teaching. And no wonder 10,000 angels stood in rapt attention as Jesus was nailed to the cross. Why? Because God was dying. God became man. Emmanuel. God with us 
He's not just like you. He became one of us. I want to speak to something for just a moment. We often hear God saves us from hell. And that is absolutely true. Those who place their faith in Christ are saved from the eternal punishment of sin. In a sense, that has true, but for it to be more biblical, we need to understand this. What Jesus saves us from is sin. Matthew one twenty one says he will save his people from their sin. Not just the punishment of the sin, but he'll save them from the guilt of their sin. He'll save you from the shame of your sin. He will save you from the reproach of your sin because he deals with your sin problem, not just the residuals and the results, not just hell. He saves us, not from hell, but from sin. So the real meaning of Christmas is this, that God came and he tabernacled, literally dwelled with his people for a time he lived a sinless life so that he would fulfill the covenant agreement that you and I had broken and that he would die a horrific death on a cross to pay our sin debt and also to save us from sin's power and hold on to us so that no longer would be we be slaves to sin but we would be freed to live for God he lived a perfect life he died a substitutionary death he rose victoriously and promised that he will come again and all of that started at an inauguration in a manger in Bethlehem he came to identify with us and I'm so glad he did he came to rectify all that was wrong and I guess that leaves us with only one response what are we to do this morning with a message like this and with words like God became man we are to magnify Christ there's your third word we are to magnify the Savior amen magnifying the Savior is not trying to make him bigger than he really is magnifying the Savior is sort of like taking a telescope and looking and just saying as immense and enormous as he is I I just get a a small glimpse of how big he really is how grand and glorious he really is can I tell you today that if you're at home and you're dealing with depression and you're dealing with doubt and you're dealing with discouragement and frustration and anxiety and pain and you say wait a minute pastor don't just talk to them We're, we're in here you're right If you're in the sound of my voice and you're within the sight of my eyes, you're in this room and you're dealing with doubt and discouragement and depression and frustration and anxiety, let me give you some wonderful news. The best news possible. God became man. And he did so so that he could identify in the midst of your pain. He's been tempted in every way that we have. He has been wounded deeply in every way that you could possibly ever feel wounding. He was rejected in the sense that he bore sin and the father looked away. And in that picture of identification, he also rectified your sin problem. He dealt with it. You can stand free and fully pardoned and forgiven this morning if you'll trust Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I love Christmas. Do you? I love it. I love Christmas. I love the lights and the sounds and the smells and the food and the gifts and the laughter and the friends and the family and the candlelight service that's at 5 o'clock on the 24th that you ought to be at. I I love it all. But what I'm coming to realize after 50 years on this planet is this. God became man and that changed everything let's pray father thank you for our time together this morning oh god that if there were one here today that's never trusted you and they are flailing in the complexity and the chaos of this world that they would find the peace that passes understanding that only comes from a relationship with you And that relationship is possible because you became man, because you sent a Savior to bridge the gap from heaven to earth. Oh God, today, would you save someone? Would someone trust the Lord Jesus Christ, placing their faith in him, recognizing that he paid their sin debt on the cross and rose victoriously. He tasted death so they would not have to. God, let that be so today. And I pray it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, the invitation is very simple. 
if that's the need of your life to be saved I want you to step out from wherever you are and I want you to come down these aisles we won't embarrass you in any way shape form or fashion we've got prayer partners that are here we call them encouragers and that's because they're encouraging people they will love you and they will walk you through what it means to have a relationship with God maybe you don't even understand that language that's okay you just know there's something going on and it's not right it's kind of like when you're lost you know being lost physically means that there's some place you're supposed to be and you're not on the path to get there and maybe that's where you are well they want to just show you the path our encouragers will be like a, a spiritual GPS so today if that's the need of your life maybe you just need to pray with somebody maybe you're a Christ follower and, and you've expended the, the faith in it sometime in the path to say God I trust you but you've just gotten mired down maybe you just need somebody to pray with you they're here for that as well you let God have his way we're going to stand and sing but as we stand and we're singing you can go ahead and stand like popcorn as we're doing this my sincere prayer is that God would stamp upon your heart and your mind and your conscience those three words that God became man and that this week it would become revolutionary for you you would be amazed you would fall on your knees and worship you would you would shout at times do it in your car if you need to do that and nobody else hears you they don't think you're going crazy too but just shout out and say God you're so good you came into my world you cried just like me and because of that his identification can lead you to identify with him in eternal life let's sing together